Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode has been a collegiate coach and athletic director. She is also the founder of Coaching Peace. She has worked with colleges across the country in topics ranging from diversity, gender equity, sportsmanship, decision-making, and Title IX. I've personally been a part of some of her trainings, and she is simply amazing. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Diana Kutaya. fantastic it is a very very hot day here in the pacific northwest but that's okay i won't complain uh, seems like it's a little toasty everywhere uh i know i know exactly you know um one thing we're going to turn the heat up i guess in this conversation a little bit uh had the opportunity to uh be around some team building and see you in action i think it's fortunate to have you join the podcast and um before we kind of talk about some of those things i'd love to share kind of a little bit about your journey and tell us a little bit about coaching piece and what you do. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. Well, thank you so much for having me on here. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, and just getting to know you, um, you are like a walking personification of optimism and kindness and care. So I really appreciated getting to know you as well, my friend. I appreciate it. Um, what a, so what is coaching piece? You know, um, I started coaching when I was 19 years old. I, I, was, a, I was an athlete. I was an athlete in college um, and uh, really started getting into coaching. I was, you know, coached for 20 some odd years and then became a college athletic director and then started um, an undergraduate program in sport-based youth development way back in the early 2000s. So I guess that's, is that how the kids, I think that's <laughs> I think, what the kids say. Yeah. So, um, you know, and started doing work around how do we build environments within sport that do not perpetuate or reinforce um, much of the structural or cultural violence that we see in our community societies, um, you know, in the way that we operate. So it was how do we really build safe, positive cultures? What does that look like? How do we do that? Um, you know, we talk about coaching peace and a lot of people will say like oh peace is that like you are just sitting around and it's like really cool and i was like peace is not the absence of conflict conflict tension all of those things exist um and are value peace is the absence of violence whether that violence is direct structural cultural systemic and the ways in which we create you know structures and cultures um to address that look different the with a corporate client or we're working with a you know school or a youth team or a college team whatever it might be so we got we we do a lot uh, the the funny thing is is that coaching piece was the title of my college my master's thesis and as many of my friends say you know like you you get it and you put it on the shelf and you got the degree and you're done and i was like let's turn it into a business let's see what I we can it. do that's yeah cool that's cool um I love that story. Uh, 
team building. You know, you're, I've been a part of kind of one of your sessions and you do it so well, but what are, I hear coaches, I was like, do I got to make time for it? And sometimes they don't, and they, they regret that later. But what is real team building? Because a lot of coaches sometimes like, oh, we went to a movie and we had, or we had dinner together. And I think those things are valuable. And just to have those non-organized social time with, with your, your teammates and peers. But what really, when it comes to team building, creates bonds and cultures that can perform well and, and give people a good experience? Yeah, absolutely. So shared experiences, like you're talking about, are important, right? The more I have a shared experience one, the more I get to know you, understand you. We have context. You know, we can go back. There's trust. I know who you are. We went to that movie together. We did ice cream. We don't just do this sport, right? We actually see each other as human beings in the world, and we begin to accept and also really celebrate who we are. Um, in each person. I think sometimes we get confused when we talk about team building and we go into it with the mindset of what we want, right? A team, we have this very militaristic attitude, like the team before anything else. Team is more important than, you know, all yourself. Like put your, put your team above yourself, put your team above all of these other things. And I think what we fail to kind of realize is that team is about building a community and building a community that supports each other and cares about each other, but doesn't do it right. I'm not just a team because I have found a common enemy or I have, we've become so exclusive that it's like, yeah, look at us. We're our team. Oftentimes when we team build, we perpetuate a lot of negative things And just because we've got our kids come together in some way, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are doing the right thing. And I think, you know, we have in kind of youth sports culture and society, we've stopped doing the right thing. And we've started just doing what wins us games. Yeah. And it's hard because we're getting a, you know, there's parents on one side that are like, I want my kid getting a scholarship, right? Especially now, like I want my kid getting, you know, sponsored or getting a deal when they're in 10th grade, you know, there's all of these (laughs) things that are happening. Like, and also to, to parents, you know, to a little parents defense around it, you know, the college I went to was, I don't know, seven, $8,000 when I went there, it's 64,000 now. Yeah. Like you're like, yeah, I want my kids to go to college. Cause that might a scholarship. Cause that might be the only way. Um, and so we recognize that that's kind of happening, but then we've made youth sports a big money business. So what ends up happening is we're not, we don't just get the chance as a young kid to come in and play and just have fun and build community and make that what's important because if we win, then we get more people, then we get more dollars, then that's, you know, potentially we get more scholarships, you know, kids more or more of our kids get scholarships that builds our brand. Like this is big business. Billions of dollars, right? I mean, billions, billions, and I think you, we see that if you're around sports, you see it how it how it seeps in. Um, when teams do take the time, when we talk about you know creating that that care and that shared connection and shared experience, 
what are some maybe key elements or key like simple ideas that you know a coach listening could could do with their team tomorrow to try to create more connection um, within their team so i think it's anything we do um you know, what's the the old adage like what i emphasize is what you hear right. you know so if you want to build community true kind of like genuine community within your team there's always time for that and you always have to make time for that and if you are sacrificing the time for building connection to build strategy or conditioning or any of those other things um, it doesn't matter how talented yeah. in some respect you're gonna you're gonna sacrifice the thing that is actually the glue that holds the team together you know so simple things like allowing them time to talk to each other get to know each other having some question prompts just as you know you're building the team what do you like what's your favorite color when you're doing a check-in you know you get your team together you're in a circle we're going to do a quick check-in question this may take 20 minutes but these are the most valuable 20 minutes that we are absolutely going to spend when you have kind of informal time when you are you know we're getting water breaks or we're doing something as a coach take the time be like hey you know what tyler how was that test that you took last week did yeah. you do okay on that you know what's going on like have those conversations so that you truly build connection and get to know people and you humanize your athletes like they are little people who really want to connect and they want to connect to each other they want to connect to you in really powerful and positive ways and that is a tremendous responsibility and that supersedes any outcome that you as a team you know can produce i love it when you work with teams and whether it's sports or organizations, I think you have a lot of experience um, working with them. You know, there's change, whether it's a merged organization, a new coach comes in, uh, a half a new staff comes in kids now at the college level, the transfer portal um, change just seems to be speeding up in sports. Um, what are some maybe tools to focus on when we think about, you know, putting a kid and a student athlete first in development, as those things speed up and change happens, what's something maybe you would tell some kids to like focus on in those kind of stressful experiences? Yeah, so I think in anything, right, um, there's a couple of things. Like, so I played basketball. What was, what was your sport again, Tyler? Football. 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 Okay. So you understand this, right? When, when when we play, there are moments, like I catch the ball, I'm going one way, I have to make a really quick change in order to do, you know, the, the next move because something gets in my way, right? And I can't, it, it stops my progress in some way. Well, you know, when I turn around, there's some very clear decisions when I make that pivot that I have to make. And the first of which in basketball, right, is do I have a clear shot, right? Do I have rebounders if I have a clear shot? Is this the right opportunity to take a shot, right? I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, am I close to the basket? Can I like, you know, navigate this? Or if none of those things happen, who, who is closer? Who has a better shot, right? So there's this order of operations potentially that I might go through that help me stay super focused in those moments. So instead of, looking at a big picture 
when we're in that kind of moment of change, it's what do I have the most agency over right now? What's the first thing I need to think about or do? And how can I break this down into steps so that I am not wholly overwhelmed by the totality of whatever that change or difference might be, right? So for instance, I'm going to a new team and I might think, oh, I got to prove myself. I got to make sure that I'm really, you know, that everybody knows who I am. I got to be the best that's out there. I'm nervous. Instead of saying today, all I'm going to do is focus on making one or two connections. I'm going to make some new friends and I'm going to get some cheerleaders who are going to be there to support me. And then I'm going to take a deep breath. And the next thing I'm going to do is be the, the best athlete that I can possibly be. And that's good enough. I like it. I think of made me think of one or two athletes that I've just observed kind of behave in a similar way, but it, it really was effective in not trying to, mm-hmm conquer everything and relationally in one day. <laughs> uh, right, right, right. What you, you spend a lot of you know, time as an athletic director and as a coach, um, you know, your sessions you do now, you've got charisma, you're fun, activities going on. What is it that brings you joy about teaching the things you do? Oh, that's a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. Like, that's a great question. And I was thinking, thinking I just got back from doing a big team building for, for a company um, actually last night. And I felt like I was smiling like the whole time, even in tough conversations, like this internal kind of smile. And I think that I, number one, I'm an extrovert. So that's, we'll just put that out there. I do enjoy people. And I get a lot of my energy from people, but I enjoy seeing people come together and truly have these like aha moments of connection and you know just being able to to have this self-awareness or to feel like hey wait a second you really acknowledge me like you you value me oh my perspective matters in this and creating atmospheres where that happens um and you know i think we're all trying to create the world maybe we didn't grow up in Um, or that we hope that as we, we look at young people who are, you know, in our family or who we've coached or whatever, like we want, we truly have them in mind when we think about the world that we want to create. Um, and I, what brings me the most joy is being in space where I can truly create those environments for people. And I learn so much um about that like uh, about myself and about others when i'm in that space with others um i love learning about other people i love learning about their perspective and their the way they view the world even if it's different than mine um it gives me so much insight around things uh we might not always agree but hopefully we can always agree uh, around each other's humanity in some ways um which i think is is really valuable and important also my dog my dog gives me an insane amount of joy. Good. Yeah. When you come back home, ready? Yeah. I mean, seriously, if we could all experience the same unconditional love in every single relationship that we have, yeah. um, and the, the same level of humility, because my dog also was like, you're not that important today. So <laughs> right. calm down. Right. You know, I got this treat. I got this tennis ball. I'm good. Exactly. Uh, exactly. 
Uh, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. When uh, you think about uh, one of the things I know you talked about and I've heard you kind of speak about is, is empathy. And I think even more so when we talk about student athletes and we just talked about like, you know, the world that we think we're in, right? And the pandemic and all these uncontrollables that, that come at us. Um, what is it about a little bit of empathy that can just help so much, not only our teams and our relationships, but sometimes just ourselves? I think the thing about empathy that gets me the most, um, and I and I so appreciate the question, is that I I have to see myself in every person, right? So what I mean by that is um, I have to connect with someone while also connecting with myself. So if you express something um, that is really challenging. In order to, to really connect with the emotion that you have, I also have to connect back to the emotion that I might have that's similar to that. Um, and when we see ourselves in other people, um, we truly build this authentic care for each other, right? When we recognize the humanity in you, it, it also helps me really connect and care for you. And I think that we have spent too much time in sport always making it adversarial. It's an opponent, right? So I am competing against you. And I think it's really valuable for us to shift that lens. Um, you know, you are not my opponent, but you are my opportunity to see how my training and my efforts and all of those things where I'm at and where I have improved and where my progress is. I am not competing against you. I'm competing with you. You know, I want you to be your, the best that you could possibly be because I'm then going to challenge myself to be the best that I could possibly be. And at the end of it, I'm going to thank you for doing that. Like, thank you for being the absolute, like bringing your best today. I brought my best today too. And maybe you eke out at the end, but the fact is, I really put forth a tremendous amount of effort in that. And I think that the more we reinforce that idea of, of empathy and connecting with people and staying out of judgment and not making everything so adversarial, we support more. You know, I, I, I can't stand when um, coaches berate kids in any way after a loss even if they think they're doing it in a positive way like well we lost today there's some good things and some bad things but I really think you should think about this loss and you know what you brought to today because I feel like any outcome especially in sport is 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 a fallacy and what I mean by that is the wins aren't entirely wins and the losses aren't entirely losses because number one, you don't control everything that happens in a win. You might've gotten some really good calls in a game that happened to go your way. It just happened to, to tip the scales a little bit. You might've on the other side, not been getting some great calls. You might've tipped the scales a little bit. You might be playing outdoors and the weather really impacted your team that day more than anything else. And maybe it didn't. Maybe it, it impacted the other team and you, there was some advantage. If we focus so heavily on that outcome, right, then 
we really do an injustice to sport. And I want young people and all people to love sport and to love playing. And to, you know, when you lose, be like, oh, man, I was close, but that was good. Like, I, that was that was tough, but like, let's, let's go back tomorrow. Let's work a little harder. What can we do tomorrow? And when we win to celebrate and be like, this is amazing. Congratulations. You did an amazing job. You know, like, are there things we can do better tomorrow? Let's see if we can do something better tomorrow. Like I want young people to be motivated by what they're going to gain, not by what they're going to lose. And we spend so much time doing that. And, you know, the way that we, connect with each other matters so much and the way we frame it i took your question and went in a completely different direction around it but i hope it is at least close to where you were no it's good i love hearing uh, your insight i think uh, you know part of your sessions there's there's two elements that jump out at me um if you're in a room with diana she's probably you're gonna have some fun and she might make you a little vulnerable and uh you know i think i i talk a lot when we about leadership with kids that, you know, vulnerability is really a a huge ingredient to leadership. Um, Can you talk about that? Maybe even some dynamics when you, maybe between adults and athletes, when you get in a room, how vulnerable they're willing to be. But can you talk a little bit about why when we can create a space that people can be vulnerable, it really creates that space to grow together? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things around um, that, we always kind of talk about is that we want when you walk into a space like yes vulnerability is important at times because it creates an environment where we truly can listen and hear each other right and that that's valuable around it we want people to be in their kind of like uncomfortable zone not their panic zone and when we get to the uncomfortable zone it's like Ooh, I don't, you know, like I'm breathing a little bit heavy. My heart's hurting. Maybe, you know, my legs are hurting a little bit, but I'm still able to move forward. Right. But if I can't breathe, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I'm like not, you know, doing well. Like I got a pain in my leg. I'm not in a place where I'm actually going to grow. I'm in a place where, you know, I, I, this could be traumatic for me. This could be a really negative experience. Um, This could be something that causes me to avoid that. We don't ever want people to come into a space and feel like that. So we really build culture in order to create spaces where vulnerability is something people get to choose to engage in, right? We do not do anything in any of our team buildings for teams, for corporates that is required. We're not going to, you know, have you be like, everybody's going to get up and say something in front of everyone else. We invite you to be part of it. If you would like to do that, we also don't shame you if you don't, right? And that's really important because I want people to have voice, choice, and agency in how they engage. Because all too often, we will see that when folks engage in vulnerability, and it is not something that is a choice, that vulnerability gets weaponized against them. And we don't ever want to create a space where that happens. So creating environments that people kind of feel safe enough to be vulnerable. And then as a facilitator, my job is if you step into the center of the circle, I need to ensure that that circle is safe enough for you. Even if others don't want to, 
if you make that choice, my job is to make sure that I enforce the group norms and learning agreements that we've had to make sure we do that. Coaches have that same responsibility as well. And how they do that becomes really important. If you are not kind of taking a step forward to say, hey, hold on a second, wait, then and, and, and letting the rest of the group know, I'm going to be the one that enforces these norms that we've set forward. I'm going to do it with compassion and care, but I'm also going to do it and make sure that we are, we're adhering to what we agreed to do to make this space safe. I love what you said there, the voice, choice, and agency. Can you, can, you, can you redial that back up for, for the listeners? Voice, choice, and agency. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, I don't, I'm, I'm going to be 50 next year. So I'm, I'm of a very different generation. And in my generation, um, if my coach told me to do something, I did it. I, I was very lucky. I had some incredible coaches um, who I'm still in contact with today. And, but oftentimes we, we had this very kind of authoritarian, you know, way of coaching, like autocratic model of coaching. You listen to me, I have all the knowledge, I have all the power, you do that. Um, we, we don't build motivation that way. And we definitely don't build any internal motivation that way. When I have some control over how I engage in something, when I can actually say to you, hey, I don't, I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel safe in this space, or here are some ways that I would like us to change or make things different, then there is some level of control and predictability around the environment that I'm in, and that kind of helps calm the parts of the brain that might be like, woof, this feels not safe, and this is a little bit threatening, and this isn't, doesn't feel like an environment that I wanna be in. So voice, choice, and agency become really important. I want to have some control, right? And I want to have some choice in what I do. And choice and control, okay, are really important. Oftentimes, coaches think I have to control everything because I'm in charge. And you have to facilitate and create environments and direct that culture in many ways, right? But it's made up of people that, all have something valuable to contribute. And if they all feel like they have something valuable to contribute, then they actually will take ownership of that. So like, if, if you own something, it matters to you. Like if, if I borrowed your car and there were noise that was being coming out of it, right? I'm a relatively nice person, but it's not my car. I'm not gonna fix it. I'm gonna, you know, give it back to you my car i'm gonna fix it so when we give people voice choice and agency and things then they actually make sure that it's fixed and then it stays working because it matters to them it's something that they do and we can do that in really simple ways right so in a training we do that by inviting people you get to choose how you engage in the ways in which you choose we make sure that there are a variety of different ways for people to engage you know there are a lot of people that like to talk and process out loud. There are a lot of people that like to take notes. So is there paper on the desk? Are there ways, you know, do you give people two minutes to think about something before you're asking them to answer a question? Are we actually thinking about the people who are in our community, in our group, before we even design something or do anything? 
you know, the ways in which you give people all of that voice and choice and agency will dictate how engaged anybody else will be. I like it. We talked before offline, I talked about buy-in real quick. And I think it's kind of coaches that want buy-in, it always kind of trips my transactional trigger. Instead of, do you want them to buy in or do you want to give them some ownership? Right, right. And I think when you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, when these coaches want buy-in, it's like, well, do you want them just to buy from you or do you want them to give some some ownership, some equity, something, something you know, like you said, that, you know, we've got some value that we can bring back to everybody. Um, I brought yeah. it up before. I heard this quote the other day and I couldn't remember it. Another guy shared it from a book. So I can't remember the author, but the quote was, where you find people having fun, you will find the future. Mm. Um, it actually kind of made me think of you. Um, and I know this author that, that said the quote, he spent a lot of time around some of you know, the Facebooks and the Googles and, and some of those, those corporate environments that have unique cultures per, per se. Um, but it made me think, of you. Why, why is fun such an element to whether it's, it's productive, high-performing teams, connection? Why does fun just, it has to be there? So... I'm going to change the word a little bit. So we fun, I think of is very external, right? Fun is the thing that happens in the moment. Um, And I have fun and then I go and then I can say, oh, I had fun there. Yeah. It's relevant. What we want to do is create environments where you can experience joy. And sometimes joy is laughing and, you know, whatever. Sometimes joy is emotionally just being there and feeling safe, right? And sometimes joy is crying. I mean, have tears of joy. You know, the, the idea that we could create some joy is this internal feeling. You know, I had tremendous coaches, like really amazing coaches in my life. And I can remember... The, the just so many moments of the sport being joyful, whether we lost one, whatever it might be, hard work, all of those things, joyful. That is the feeling. I had a, uh, my basketball coach um, I'm still friends with and actually doesn't live far, even though we moved all the way to the West Coast. I was in the East Coast. She was out here first, um, still in connection. I remember... I was learning, you know, working on my free throws and she said something to me. I'll never forget. Um, We, you know, I, I kind of shot my free throw and I, I just swished it. Like it was a great shot. And she said, don't do anything else. Tell me what you feel right now. And I was like, I just feel like everything was set. Like everything was perfect. I was like, that is, that was amazing. And she was like, remember that feeling don't remember what you did right like it's i think i was watching a tape of uh indiana university so it was like socks shorts one two three you know like with a with a shot she don't remember the cadence or anything like that remember the feeling and that has resonated with me and that is central to the work i do all the time I want people to leave and while they get some really tangible things and we walk away more than anything, I want them to remember the feeling. And my hope is that that feeling at some point includes joy. And isn't that what we want our kids to walk away, walk away with that feeling.
Thank you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate Educate Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again. And if I can help you with anything, please reach out. And don't forget, go elevate others.